Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning into this week's show. And for today, I am so grateful to have with us Alex Michelson. Alex co-anchors Fox 11 News weeknights at 5, 6, and 10 p.m. with Christine Devine. He co-hosts Fox 11 Special Report with Dr. Drew Pinsky weeknights at 7 p.m. and also hosts and produces um, one of my favorite political shows on TV, and that is The Issue Is, which airs on stations throughout the state of California. Alex is an Agora Hills native, and his first job in broadcasting was as an intern at Fox 11. He describes himself as a political junkie and has conducted interviews with nearly everyone important nowadays in politics, including President Trump, Governor Newsom, Vice Presidents Biden and Gore, Secretary Clinton, Senator Sanders, and more. He's reported live at some of the most major events in our um, political cycles, including the Republican and Democratic National Conventions, presidential inaugurations and debates. Alex is the winner of six Emmy Awards and 13 nominations. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. You left out the part that I'm a graduate of USC, so fight on. Fight on, and we we will get into that. That is one of my questions that I'm going to touch on, so I was going to mention that, but yes, indeed, fight on. Um, So thank you so much again for coming on the show. Now, to start things off, I just wanted to check in with you and see how have you been both on a personal and professional level over the past few months since COVID began? How has your sort of day-to-day shifted both at home on a personal level, but how has Fox 11 been handling um, COVID and how has sort of the work environment there changed? Uh, It's changed dramatically. You know, we, um, about 80% of the people that would come into the building are now working remotely. Um, they picked a few people to stay in the building, um, and I was one of them. Um, but for a long time, I, I was the only one in the studio. Um, so they, unfortunately, our hair and makeup people have been home this entire time. Our wow. stage managers, our photographers in the, in the studio have been home. Um, most of the anchor team has been home, almost all the producers and writers and uh, they've all been doing it from home, and 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 we now communicate, you know, many times a day via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a strange thing. Even when you walk around the newsroom now, there's, you know, a handful of people that are in the building, but most people are not. Um, and and even the ones that are here, uh, we're we're kept very distant from each other. We can't share desk space. They moved me up into what used to be the celebrity dressing room for Good Day LA. Now I'm sitting in here by myself with nobody around me. The whole point of it is to keep everybody separate. Um, it's also been an incredible time in terms of increasing our, our news. You know, We added newscasts during it. Um, we added a six o'clock newscast. We added this nightly show that I've been doing with Dr. Drew, mm-hmm. which you mentioned, um, which is you know a very exciting and interesting show, but also a tremendous amount of work. Um, and, and of course, um, it's been a lot more work for everybody. I mean, it's kind of been a, a different experience for me than, than it is for most people who have been at home this whole time, mm-hmm. um, without as much work. I've been at work this whole time with more work. <laughs> so, right. um, it's been a strange experience, but I, I also really miss, you know, my favorite thing, uh, in doing it is, you know, reporting in the field. I, I love being out mm-hmm. witnessing history, talking to people, 
meeting new people, interacting, seeing different places. Um, and all of that has been very, very limited. I mean, they don't really want us doing that much of that, at least me, because I'm in the building. So they really prefer, frankly, to not do that. Um, and that's uh, kind of my lifeblood where I get a lot of my energy. So it's been hard sort of adjusting to this new world. You're, you're, the issue is, which I appreciate you giving a plug to, yeah. our political show, you know, the, the best part of that show was what would happen behind the scenes um, where everybody would sort of hang out in, in the green room. My mom mm -hmm. notoriously would make cookies and brownies <laughs> every week for our guests and we would hang out and have those or hang out when people were getting their makeup done. And that's where we get a lot of the gossip and get a lot of the, the juicy, interesting stuff sort of off the record uh, conversations where you really learn a lot and get a sense of who people are. And now if you only see them you know, via Zoom and it's only happening, um, you know, when they're on and everybody else is listening. Um, it, it's just a different kind of relationship. And, and so I miss all of that. And personally, it's been hard to, you know, sort of be more isolated. I think everybody else has struggled with that. I've tried for the weekends to give myself at least one day to try to give myself Sunday to sort of take off and binge and do other things, but it's different not seeing friends. Yeah. I, I was also very involved with a lot, a lot of different charity organizations and would do a lot of events on the weekends and um, those have, you know, just not been happening. So I've right. been strange to, uh, to miss out on that. And I feel for a story that we don't cover enough of, which is all the nonprofits which struggle anyways. Mm -hmm. um, now uh, where the need is greater are having a much harder time doing their fundraising events and, that's a really challenging thing for a lot of organizations too. Yeah. It sucks not being able to do things that you're really passionate about, whether it is being on the ground reporting stories or simply volunteering for charities or nonprofits that you're so passionate about. Right. Um, you mentioned the issue is, which you obviously know I'm a big fan of, but before we get into what you currently do at Fox 11, I wanted to really go back to the beginning and talk a little bit about what ignited your interest in journalism and also politics. Um, I mentioned that you describe yourself as a political junkie. Was that the thing that sort of you fell in love with first and then journalism was something you discovered as this medium that you were able to use as a platform to showcase that passion you had for politics or was it the other way around? You know, I think it was kind of around the same time, to be honest. Um, yeah. I remember as a kid, as a elementary school kid, just being really interested in like Bill Clinton speeches at the Democratic Convention and mm -hmm. the debates in the States of the Union. But I also was like obsessed with the Today Show and right. uh, Meet the Press and NBC Nightly News and some of these different shows, the KTLA Morning News. I would watch Good Day LA as well. Um, and so it was all kind of one thing where I was interested in, in both of them. They've always kind of both been my passions and I never knew sort of which way I would go. And I've kind of fell into a thing where I'm kind of doing both in a way, um, which is which is pretty cool. So um, you double majored in journalism and political science at USC. Yeah. Were the, you know, was the pol political science department and the Annenberg school, were those the draws for you to go to USC? Was it lo location? Um, was USC always your first choice throughout, you know, your upbringing and high school? Um, and, and, you know, which was sort of the draw to you wanting to go to SC? Okay, as, as Gavin Newsom would say, that's four questions, so I'll ask <laughs> at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. So 
no, USC was never my, it was never my intention to go to USC. I, I always thought mm-hmm. as a kid that I would want to go somewhere on the East Coast, get out of town. I grew up in Agora Hills, which is a suburb of LA, which sort of is its own world. It's kind of known as the bubble, um, the Conejo Valley area. Um, we were all, I mean, my parents were from DC. My dad went to Maryland, so I was a Maryland fan, but almost all of my friends uh, parents went to UCLA. Most of my teachers went to UCLA. The theme song for Agora High School, my uh, high school was the UCLA theme song. Our <laughs> colors were blue and gold. Our basketball okay. uniform was based <laughs> off of the UCLA thing. I, I went with my friends' parents every year to UCLA football games wow. and, and UCLA basketball games. And I had never even visited USC until I was a senior. So wow. USC was not on my radar at all. The USC mm-hmm. at the time had a very good football team. They won the national championship my senior year, um, where they split it technically, but they were the AP national champions. So that was interesting. And I knew that I wanted to, I thought that I wanted to do journalism. I never did journalism in high school, actually. Um, but I thought that that's something that I was really interested in. And I knew that they had a great school. And I remember visiting the campus, just like, all right, well, let's give it a try. I remember getting out of the car and hearing that great marching band who happened to be performing right when we got out of the car and it felt like something out of a movie to hear dun da 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 and it was like walking on campus with like a movie backing soundtrack mm-hmm. and just seeing how extraordinary it was and, and to see the Annenberg School which was which was unlike uh, pretty much anything else that I saw other than uh, I think the Medill School at, at Northwestern and um, the Newhouse School at Syracuse. I didn't get into Northwestern. I did mm-hmm. get into Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And amazingly, I did not get into the Annenberg School at USC. Oh, wow. It was poli-sci at first? Uh, they, they, they said, uh, well, we'll let you do poli-sci. Right. Uh, but, but we don't think that you're good enough or don't have a journalism background. I don't wow. know what it was. <laughs> and so I, I, I went to Syracuse, and it was freezing cold. And it was, you know, it felt dreary, the entire experience. And I went into their journalism school and I remember they wrote on the board, they're like 13,000. That's the average starting salary for somebody that does journalism. So you better love this. And I'm thinking, maybe I don't love it that much. You know, yeah. like, I don't know. I've never even done this. So I'm going to fly around across the country to a place I don't really feel that com- comfortable with just to do this school, which I may or may not love. Um, and I was like, no, I actually left my visit to Syracuse early. I said to my dad, I don't want to be here. Like, let's get out of here. Right. And I said, uh, if I go to USC, can I transfer in? And they said the odds were not great. They said that they, the year before, had brought in five transfers out of 110 applicants wow. for the Annenberg School. In, mm-hmm. You know, people that are going to USC to try to transfer in. Right. And I said, let's let's give it a try. And so I went in there. I, I rushed a fraternity my freshman year my first semester and i'm like i don't want to do this because i need to study yeah i need to get into this school and so i ended up not doing that fraternity studying really hard getting a 4.0 getting into the school um and then i ended up graduating first in the entire school once i got in and then got to see those college uh admissions counselors um on my graduation day when they gave me a special <laughs> plaque for first for graduating first and yeah. remind, remind them of the fact that day that they uh, chose not to accept me into the Yeah, school. the joke's on them. Yeah, yeah. That's so, funny. I mean, that was part of what, you know, you got to, I, I think part of the story and the lesson there is, you know, if you really want to do it, you got to find a way. I mean, for me, 
I thought, you know what, USC, the, the, between the football and the experience and the weather and the beautiful campus and just the feeling there, it felt like home. It felt like the right place. Um, and uh, it, it turned out, to, I'm, I'm glad that I, that I went there. Yeah. I mean, so many more pros compared to Syracuse. Yeah. The weather, yeah. being closer to home, you got right. in as poli-sci, whereas the journalism school, it was like a yeah. 13,000 I mean, salary. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, the poli sci school was okay, and I, and I did well there. But it was there was nothing special about right. it. Um, there was it was not acclaimed. There was no. I mean, the difference was for the Annenberg School, the, the journalism school. You know, the maximum number of kids in the class was twelve. You had special counselors that were working with you. There was all this new technology. There was the you know the campus TV station. Poli sci felt you felt like an anonymous sort of number, right? I mean, I did I mean, well it, in the school, but there was yeah. nothing to that at all. Yeah, I mean, Annenberg was a school; it was a poli sci department within USC yeah. Dornsife. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely, it wasn't, call, it wasn't We're, called USC Dornsife back then. <laughs> Dornsife oh, really? Given, what was it called? Dornsife hadn't given all the money yet. Uh, oh, it was the, okay. Uh, college of Letters, just college, and yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, so did you have any particular mentors during your time in college that helped in, you know, giving you words of advice or just help in finding internships, jobs while in Well, college? many. Probably my main mentor was a guy named uh, Conan Nolan, who is the political mm. reporter at KNBC. He does a show very similar to the show that I'm doing now, which I helped him produce while I was there. Um, mm -hmm. He was so extraordinarily important in teaching me about journalism, sort of making me think that the, the business itself is a marathon, not a sprint, that there's value in being kind to other people, that there's value in building up long-term relationships and not burning people. There's value in showing uh, professionalism. Uh, there's value in humor. Um, there's value in taking a moment to have a drink or take a bite with people. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were so many, and he was so kind and warm and generous and still is a mentor. And, and it's one of the things I miss about a week like this, which would be, you know, if typically I was planning on being in Milwaukee, this right. week, the Democratic National Convention and Conan would have been there too. And we would have gone out to lunch or gone out to dinner, you know, a lot of times still on these big political nights, if we're out in the field together, we'll, we'll get a chance to catch up. And that's what I did with him. I mean, I attended conventions with him when I was yeah. his intern at debates and everything. He was really and, important. And Serena Cha at USC, who was uh, yeah. the head of the Annenberg TV News, was, was really, really important to me as, as uh, well as, as a mentor. And, and many of the Dan Schnur was a great mentor, who mm -hmm. was uh, a poli-sci professor of mine who's still been on my show. And, yeah. Um, a lot of these people remain important players in my life now. Mm -hmm. And so Chuck Nolan, you worked with while you were interning at NBC News. And I want to touch on those internship experiences you had both at NBC News and also at Fox 11. Um, I, I believe you were at NBC a little bit longer than you were at Fox 11 um, yeah. during your college days. And mm -hmm. you were working there, obviously, during pretty big political moments with, you know, the 2006 midterms and you were there leading up to the 08 election. What was it like covering those elections as this, you know, young political junkie new on the scene, still in college? Um, that really, I, I bet it felt like you were really catapulted at the forefront of these huge major, you know, events during a presidential election cycle. What were those experiences like? 
Well, at the time, of course, we thought that Barack Obama was going to be the biggest, craziest election of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, it's only been surpassed by uh, by Donald Trump. Right. right. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, a few stories. I mean, when I was at NBC News in Washington, I was uh, an intern at NBC News Channel, and we were located across the street from the Senate. And I did spend time at the White House and at the Supreme Court, but most of my time was spent in the Senate. That was a summer where there was a big debate over uh, immigration. And there were so many that the presidential campaign had sort of started. It was the summer, but there were the senators were still there because they were still, you know, eight months out from from the primaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the senators at the time were Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, John Kerry. Ted Kennedy, John McCain, right. um, Lindsey Graham, um, you know, and so Harry Reid, Mitch McConnell. Um, yeah. so Heavyweights. I, inter- I was interacting with all of these people and uh, observing them all uh, up close and to see how they all interact with each other and spend yeah. time in the Senate gallery and watch the reverence for somebody like Ted Kennedy and watch, you know, I, I remember listening to Lindsey Graham and Barack Obama get into a screaming match with wow. each other behind the scenes and, um, seeing the way you know people reacted to John McCain, I mean, it was it was an incredible time if you're a political junkie just to be around all of those figures that are still you know so important in uh, in in history. Um, and then in terms of uh, 2008, I I, I you know I, I went to the the de- Hollywood. There was the, the first one-on-one debate between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, and that night, um, while I was an intern doing interviews with the people that nobody really cared about. They let me, you know, do the, the, the extra stuff. Mm. Um, I met this, this young um, district attorney from San Francisco <laughs> who I thought was so attractive. Um, and it, her name was Kamala Harris, right. uh, who was there, you know, backing Barack Obama, who seemed unlikely to be the, the nominee at that point. Um, and she was telling me why he was so great. And, you know, and, and that was my first interaction with her. And, you know, I was like, wow, she's something. She's going to go somewhere. <laughs> and uh, it turns out that she did. I mean, I remember meeting during that time, Gavin Newsom, I think, was the, the mayor of San Francisco or running for lieutenant governor. I don't know if he, you know, and, and you know, it's like all these people. I remember at the time thinking all these older political reporters, they have these all these long relationships with people. And now that I've been doing it for a little bit longer, you start to see people on the on their way up. And it's different when you've known them you know, when they were in other jobs and you've seen them, I mean, for, for Kamala, you know, I mean, I covered Kamala when she was district attorney. I covered her during her run for attorney general. I covered her a lot during her run for Senate. Mm-hmm. I covered her while she was in the Senate and I covered her, you know, during her presidential run. Um, so it's, it is different to have somebody like that get the nomination than somebody who, you you know, if like Susan Rice would have gotten it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you view it differently as a reporter. Um, I remember in 2008, at, uh, the first convention I went to, which I begged, borrowed, and stealed to go to, I really wanted to go cover Barack Obama's thing because I thought that was going to be so exciting. And he was accepting an outdoor convention with like 60,000 people, and the John McCain convention was going to be kind of boring. And so I asked, I said, let me work for free, and I'll go basically intern, even though I had started professionally. Um, to work the convention for NBC. And he said, well, you can't work for free. I'm like, well, that sounds good. And we'll pay you. I'm like, that sounds better. Uh, but uh, we already booked up for the Democratic convention. So we want to send you to the Republican convention. But yeah. um, 
hotel rooms are on you, uh, and we're paying you minimum wage. And so Conan Nolan, who I wasn't even working for, is like, well, I got an extra bed in my hotel room, so come stay with me. And I did. And uh, the first day that I was there, I was in the NBC uh, tent, and they announced that the VP pick was Sarah Palin. And I was with the sort of the heavyweights of political journalism. Mm -hmm. The number one question everybody asks is, who the hell is Sarah Palin? <laughs> right. I remember uh, talking to Tom Brokaw and being like, what do you think of her? And he's like, well, I'm going to go up a live president. Come on. <laughs> and I was like, what? Great um, Tom Brokaw just, impression. Oh, thank you. But it was, <laughs> it was, and for a few days, she seemed like, you know, I said Ronald Reagan with boobs. Like she was like, it was like the greatest thing. All these old yeah. guys were like going nuts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then she, you know, all of the scandal and everything happened. But for the first few days of that convention, that convention became this Sarah Palin fest. And people forgot that John McCain was even there. It actually turned out to be a more interesting convention of, of the two. Um, right. Yeah. And for a few weeks there, I mean, McCain was definitely gaining ground and was even on top in a lot of polls until mid-September when Obama kind of retook the lead and it was him well, in the lead the from... And the economy crashed. Right, right, which kind of propelled that Obama lead. Um, well, that was awesome. That that really great stories. Um, so I want to touch on your first professional job coming out of graduation. You went down to San Diego where you were an anchor for XCTV. Had you always wanted to go down to San Diego after college, or was this simply just a job that came your way as you were getting ready for graduation? So when I, it didn't come to my way when I was getting ready for graduation. It came uh, many months later. I, okay. I did give myself a few months off afterwards. I had just moved there. I was so drunk. I'm grateful that my parents let me stay with them to make some time. Um, I, uh, the San Diego job was kind of a fluke. I, I, I wrote down a list of what cities ideally I would love to live in, and I tried to get jobs there. And, and, and San Diego was certainly something that I would love. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. My sister was going to college there at the time, um, so I had spent some time there and, and knew some people there uh, who I see there. Um, and I tried every station, and none of the stations even got back to me. And a friend of mine, who now is the general manager at uh, Channel 4, Steve Carlston, um, he said, I'm friends with the general manager at this Channel 6, um, and I'll tell him to look at your tape. And so as a favor to him, he looked at my tape and said to his news director that you should look at his tape. And they said, if we hadn't been told by our boss that we had to look at the tape, we wouldn't have actually looked at it. We'd never mm. hire somebody your age, and we never right. have. But we looked at it. It actually is really good, but we're not sure about you, so we're going to bring you on in a freelance capacity and test you out because you've never done a live job before. And I remember the first time that I was going to go live, this is all like full circle shows how the world comes back and forth. I was sitting on the desk uh, in the newsroom because they wanted to make it easy because in the newsroom you have a teleprompter and it's all scripted. They're like, let's make this really, really easy, right? I'm sure you're nervous. And mm -hmm. I was supposed to do a live shot at 10 o'clock for the uh, vice presidential search that Barack Obama had a whole piece ready with all the leading candidates and all scripted. And at 9.58.30, AP came out with a story that Joe Biden was the pick. Mm -hmm. And so now my first live shot 
my big package just completely got blown up. And my first live shot is tossed to Alex. Nothing's on scripted. Nothing's on the prompter. Wow. Go against everything and just talk. Uh, and it's and and it was Joe Biden. And so I think the lesson there is, you know, as much as you script everything, the best stuff often is not. And part of it is knowing your subject matter and being comfortable, you know, with it. Like I mean, doing these convention shows that yeah. I do with no no script at all. But right. um, it, it was uh, I was definitely nervous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a little terrifying, but also I would think, you know, a political junkie's dream being able to break the yeah. news of Obama's yeah, was, running mate. Yeah, no, it was fun. And then it, you, I mean, it was a weird time where um, they end up losing their weekend anchor and then their other weekend anchor, and they worked. They, so I ended up being coming to weekend anchor down there, which was never really the intention. And they hadn't put me in. Um, they didn't know. When I went to that convention, the Sarah Palin convention, I wasn't technically a member of the staff, but I was driving down from Agora Hills to San Diego, staying in a Motel 6. And working there just to make it work, um, but I was, you know, falling apart physically. You know, I would mm-hmm. get up uh, to work the weekend morning show at two o'clock in the morning, leaving a motel six, and see all sorts of drug deals and prostitution and oh, other God. stuff happening. I'm like, this is not great. I need to like have an apartment. Like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I went to the convention and I said to them, "Let me be your correspondent at the convention. I will put together videos and post them to YouTube and write a blog." And be like you have a reporter there and you won't even have to pay for it. So while I was at the convention, I would shoot little videos on my camera. And at night, when Conan went to sleep, I'd stay up, edit together little pieces, post them to YouTube. And then in the next morning, it was like they had a correspondent there. And, right. Uh, and then when I came back that next Monday, um, I officially got my first job. Wow. Right. So those, and, and that was at the 2008. RNC, right? Yes. So those video clips that you would put together those nights at the hotel, that would help you and that sort of led you to San Diego and getting that job by I showing already, that. I was, I was already, no, I was already working there. Okay. Working there as a freelancer. Oh, got it. I, got I, it. I didn't have a contract. Got it. And I didn't have, and I didn't have the security. Without the security of a contract, guaranteed five days a week, I wasn't you know, moved down there. Right. So um, I want to now jump forward a little bit. So you were in San Diego for a couple of years, but then you came back up here to LA where um, you joined ABC News. Um, did you, was that always something you wanted to do eventually just come back to familiar territory was that the draw to joining abc being closer to home or was it just somewhere that you had wanted to work at what was the reason for the switch well first off they offered me twice as much money wow (laughs) that's a reason um secondly i got to be closer to my family third um you know there's just more news here yeah. Um, if you're in, a, in the news business, there's just more going on. San Diego is America's finest city, but it's not the city with the most um, active stories because it's so fun. It's so great to be in. Um, and uh, in terms of, you know, the great thing about LA um, is it's so big, and there's so many different kinds of people that live here. 
there's a connection to every major story you know la has the most armenians anywhere outside of armenia the most this the most that the most you know like everything is here um the entertainment industry is here agriculture mm -hmm. is here all these you know in terms of california you know technology is driven here and so there is no shortage of uh, of news stories here it's a really interesting place to work it's a challenging place to work uh, because of that because everything's so spread out um, but it, it's, a, it's an interesting place to work absolutely um so it seems like no matter where you were at, whether it was NBC, XCTV in San Diego, ABC, now at Fox 11, you were always on that political beat. Was that something that you had always found it easy for you to sort of gain a foothold in every time you began a new position with a different um, news affiliate? Or was there someone who was sort of already on that beat that you were trying to also be into? Um, so how was... How easy was that to sort of, you know, claim your dominance, I guess, over that oh. realm of news every time you join a new company? Well, it was um, hard at the beginning. I mean, it was uh, when I started at Channel 6 in San Diego, I was 21 years old. I was straight out of college. Um, most of the people there were significant. They, they gave me a weekend job that most of them wanted anchor job and so a lot of people inherently were like who's this guy um, so it required you know a lot of investment of time and being humble and putting your head down behind people but the instinctive reaction of somebody comes in like that is not great when I started at channel 7 I was 23 the next youngest reporter was 33 most mm -hmm. of the people there were in their 40s and 50s with kids and houses and suburbs and it was different than San Diego which was fun young um, and so there wasn't a, a political reporter there by the name of John North who had been doing it for a very long time he was somebody who was not particularly close to my mentor Conan who likes everybody was like one of his only rivals was John North so John North automatically didn't really like me because he remembers <laughs> Conan's guy and I am yeah um, and John was slowing down he was having some health problems wasn't as easy for him to do a lot of what he was doing, and I was super, you know, charged and ready to go. Um, but I kind of tried to stay out of his way and slowly earn my position there. He sent me to do the Obama story, which is like uh, election night, which was kind of the beginning of me there. And by 2016, John had retired, and I had kind of carved out my niche there, um, and, and really had taken that as as my place at the station. And then by the time I started at Fox 11, most people in the market knew me for that, and they really didn't have a political reporter. That had not been their thing, so um, there was more space, and I also came with some credibility and space by the time I got mm -hmm. me, and then I was able to bring a lot of those contacts and a lot of those relationships with different people that I knew. Right. Finally, fast forward now to today. And I want to, you know, touch on what you're currently working on. And so you're right now at Fox 11, which I mentioned before, where you are anchoring the five, six and 10 o'clock news. Um, and which is, you know, similar to your work at ABC and um, when you were in San Diego, only now at Fox, you do have your own political talk show, which was probably always a dream for you to have. Um, and I've already noted 
how you know I watch it every week. Um, the issue is, which is a weekly political talk show that airs every Friday at ten thirty, um, which I believe began just here in LA, but since has now um, opened up to every single market in the state of California. Um, yeah. So tell me how this idea for this show started. Was this your idea? Did someone at Fox Eleven approach you about doing this? And sort of go through the process and how this led to being created. Well, I don't know when this is going to be released, but uh, we are doing special editions of the issue is for all of the convention coverage. So if anybody listens to this before the conventions are over, yes, um, this will be posted if, today. If, if not, you missed you missed that. <laughs> uh, so um, okay, so the issue is was actually not my idea, uh, which is which is uh, kind of crazy. It seems like a lot of the best stuff in my career. Or when bosses, it's either their <laughs> idea or they think it's their idea. Yeah. So there's some advice. Um, Jack Abernathy, who's the head of Fox uh, TV uh, stations around the country, it was his idea to do a, a political talk show at 1030 on Fridays. The main idea was that that, that time slot gets such bad ratings <laughs> for mm-hmm. the news. It's such a tough time that if they put a different show in there at 1030, they can take that out of the ratings book for the rest of the week uh, for the news and try to sort of spike the rest of the, the week in terms of ratings. So they had a rotating sort of number of shows that have been in that time slot to basically just fill time. Um, but he had the idea that, okay, it was 2018. There was a big governor's race coming up. Their, their thought was that there would be a lot of money spent on political advertisements. So why not do a political show? He knew that I was into politics had seen some of my political reporting and he said, uh, okay, kid, why don't you give it a try? His advice to me, I mean, everybody says about Fox, you know, is it too conservative or, you know, what's the political directive? His only uh, political uh, comment to me was just make a show that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's never given me a note. There's never been any f- interference at all from the network in terms of editorial at all. Um, they kind of let me do my own thing. And, uh, and then we turned it into something, you know, I mean, I don't think that the hopes were high. It was supposed to be sort of an experiment to get through the governor's race. And then they liked it and they thought, let's try this in another market, which was, you know, Oakland, San Francisco. Um, and then, you know, that worked and they're like, well, let's try this statewide. And so far that's worked. And, and I don't know if it will expand bigger than that. There's been some talk about potentially it going national, um, you know, it's a small staff of like two or three people. <laughs> it's kind of like a little engine that could show that we all love that we do in addition to everything else. Um, but um, it's been an amazing ride um, and, and given us an ability to meet some of the most interesting people on the planet and also um, do something that I don't think a lot of shows do these days, which is to actually feature the left and the right in conversation with each other in a respectful way. Where you can actually hear different people's point of view, which is, I don't think, done nearly enough um, in cable news these days. Absolutely. Um, so, what was in that ten thirty slot before you occupied it? Or was it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they did a series of specials. They had other political shows that were mm-hmm. in there. They tried right. some like magazine kind of shows. They had it was sort of like a rotating thing of things that didn't work. But I, it, it, I started it pretty. Like when I came to this station in January, I had no intention. In fact, I asked, I'll tell you this, now that all these bosses have been fired, (laughs) I asked my then boss at the time when we were negotiating my contract, I said, you know, 
down the road, I'd love to do a political show. And, and in case I get to do one, could we negotiate a bonus in my contract that I would get paid if we started doing a political show? Uh-huh. And uh, her response was, um, that's just not going to happen. It's so not going to happen that I don't even want to entertain the idea or even we don't even need to address it at all. Um, and then, of course, I ended up getting the show. And then because I didn't have a clause in my contract, I got no extra money for doing the oh, show. Yeah. Kind of, it kind of played me on that. Maybe. I don't think so. I think it was it was not something that was my intention when I started here. Just like I had no intention this year of doing this nightly show with Dr. Drew. Um, right. Which has been a lot of fun and, and an interesting experience. Um, but that was not what I thought I would be doing. So I think part of it is kind of let let the ride take you sometimes. Like if you're like a surf analogy. You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, well, I find that really interesting how you said that it just, you know, started out as an experiment, just a way to get through the 2018 governor's race. Um, but now here we are, fast forward over two years later, and the issue is, is still um, on TV. How has the reception been um, over the last two years? I bet it's been pretty encouraging, the fact that it's now lasted a couple of years. Yeah, um, it's been really great. You know, the challenge is to get people to see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a weird time slot, and we got some weird time slots in different cities. Um, I think when people see it, they really like it. I think when people are on it, they really like it. Um, the challenge in, in this massive media universe is how do people know that it's even on or to check it out? Yeah. And um, that still remains a challenge, but, you know, hopefully doing things like this help uh, people figure out that it's on. Right. <laughs> and it's right after the 10 o'clock news, so hopefully that helps in feeding people into 10.30. Yeah, which um, I also host. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, um, and you're in charge with, you know, you take on the hosting duty, but you're also tasked with, you know, producing it and booking guests. Is right. that correct? So yeah. you wear many hats on that show. Many hats. Yeah. A lot of hats. Yeah. All the, all the hats. <laughs> we got, a, we got a, a great small a team that's small, but everybody on it is really great. And everybody loves doing the show. And that's really fun. Right, right. I just want to know, you touched on, you know, possibly expanding the issue is, what's your, do you have a certain vision in mind and how you see that expansion? Like the way it is right now, is that how you always had seen the show? Or is there, you know, something else in your mind that, you know, it's it's still on its way to something greater? Oh, I mean, I think you have to be uh, willing to change with the times. Um, I don't know exactly what TV is going to look like, but there's no doubt that it's going to be more on demand, um, you know, and, and there needs to be a digital future. I, I'd love to expand our digital component, get us in even more screens and more places, make it more accessible for people to see it um, and have partnerships with other places that help to uh, help to promote the content. And I'd love to do it every day if I if it was up to me. I mean, that would be really fun. And, I'd love to do it every day with a with a bigger staff um, and a bigger audience. <laughs> Absolutely, that would be my dream. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, well, I do have just one quick last question that I think we should have enough time for. So, you are covering politics at Fox Eleven. So, right now is sort of the biggest political event of the week, really, of the summer with the party conventions. We're currently in the midst of the DNC. Today's day two. Next week is the RNC. Um, and since you started in 08, I believe this is now the fourth presidential election that you're covering. So um, yeah. what were your thoughts last night on the first night of the DNC 
Do you think that both the logistics of the convention itself and also the speakers and the content in which they had to say, do you think that satisfied Democratic viewers through the conversations you've had with Democrats, both in person and online? How do you think it all went last night? Um, I think it definitely, uh, look, Michelle Obama, I think, was very satisfying for a yeah. lot of viewers on, on all sides of the aisle. Um, I think uh, she was really, really impressive. She was like, you know, Oprah impressive in terms of being a broadcaster, like amazing, amazing. It's amazing that she can do be that strong uh, in a format looking straight to camera and also that strong in a big arena. Most people can't do either one. The fact that she can do both is Incredible. Uh, I thought Bernie was all in for Biden in a way that he usually isn't. He wasn't all in for Hillary. He was all in for Biden. Um, and Kasich's speech was interesting. Um, it, I think it does lack the pizzazz and the unpredictability and the fun and the festiveness of the uh, in-person convention. I don't think it is better, but uh, it is uh, what it is, to quote a, a, a phrase this uh, this few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think they sort of are making the best of it that they can. Um, almost never does anybody remember the first night of the convention. <laughs> so yeah. uh, there's a lot more important nights ahead. Um, and rarely are the conventions, frankly, that much, that important anyways. Um, but I do think the Democrats are tasked with the, uh, the, the challenge of um, turning Joe Biden um, into, from somebody that you are voting for because you don't like Donald Trump to giving people an affirmative reason to vote for Joe Biden. Definitely. And next week is the RNC and we'll see how it goes, if it's going to be similar in terms of the digital style of it all. Um, Do we have enough time for a 30 second version of my personal issues? 30 seconds. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. Favorite movie? Uh, We'll say the American president. Okay. Um, Latest TV show binge? I'm watching a show called Money Heist right now. On oh, okay. Yeah, it's very popular. Um, favorite song that you've ever played on the issue is you love music on that show. Yeah, well, I got to say uh, a Gloria by Laura Branigan yes. because that was the first song that Gloria danced to and uh, it's our song. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this follow-up question is going to be the same answer. Favorite guest you've had on the issue is? Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I do. I, I love Gloria. I also I, I also really love Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Guest. Yeah, that was great. That was you just had him on recently. Yeah. Um, most memorable political event you've ever covered. Uh, Barack Obama's um, inauguration in 2009 with two million American flags waving and standing with freedom riders who were beaten up in the 60s and watching the first black president be inaugurated with them. Mm-hmm. Dream guest or panelist on the issue is uh, Barack Obama. Yeah, most unforgettable interview you've conducted. Oh, I don't know. There've been there've been a lot, but I really <laughs> loved our uh, USC town hall. Yeah, and last one, and I think you've mentioned this, but your biggest journalistic inspiration, uh, Tim Russert. Oh, okay. I, I, I love I love Tim. He was uh, he was amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I know that you're short on time, but um, yeah. and you have to head off. But I really I appreciate run. you taking the time. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.